Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandi Van Ormer, here with my co-host, Patty Marbury of Outreach and uh, Finance, Outreach, and Compliance. I'm in that department, too. <laughs> How are you hey, today? Good. And we're excited today because we brought in a guest. We have with us today um, Theron Fisher, who is, I'm going to take a deep breath, the Senior Organizational Developmental Consultant within Talent Management at UVA HR, which basically means that you teach people how to be better professionals within UVA. Exactly. Thank you for being here with us. We've got, we think we're going to do um, two different pods uh, on with Theron, and the topic that we are going to cover is self-awareness. Uh-huh. How many times have you ever left an interaction or a meeting and thought, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? <laughs> or not under, like had feelings about things that are confusing or responded to something in a certain way that you didn't really know why? Or, or you completely mean something else, but somebody yes. else takes it a different way. That's what happens to me mostly. It's like I didn't intend to come across a certain way, yeah. but I later find out that a person misunderstood me. Yes. And I have to figure out why that is. Yes. When or I, I had no clue. Or if you've ever had a, a, one of those wonderful conversations with someone after you've known them for a while and mm-hmm. they tell you about what they thought about you before they knew you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so self-awareness is basically you having an understanding of your thoughts, your feelings, your values, why you do the things that you do. And most of us think we're really self-aware but the truth is that we're not. So Theron's here to tell us a little bit more about self-awareness to kind of get the topic started. Absolutely. So first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is a topic that I'm pretty darn passionate about and love talking about, so I appreciate the opportunity to geek out with you about it. <laughs> we like it too. <laughs> um, so you're absolutely right. Most people think they're very self-aware. In fact, uh, the modern research suggests that about 95% of the population would rate themselves as being highly self-aware, when the actual research shows that really only 10 to 15% of us are. That's a staggering statistic. And I think about myself as you say that, and I, of course, am thinking, I think I I know myself pretty well. And if you can't know yourself, what can you know? So it calls in everything into question if you're telling us that we don't really, we don't have that self-awareness. Right, and I, I think that's, for two primary reasons. The first reason is how much time do we really stop and reflect on who we are? Not not just in passing, not just after a particular interaction, but how much dedicated time do we spend analyzing ourselves and then seeking out the resources to understand ourselves better? I think most of us don't do that very often, if at all. I I think the second reason that we tend to be much worse at self-awareness than we believe we are is a misunderstanding of what self-awareness is. Now, what you put forth, Brandy, is absolutely right. It's understanding what's important to us, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we value, and being able to articulate that at sort of any given moment in time. But there are other components that we often overlook. The first is not only understanding 
our values and preferences and thoughts and feelings, but what do those, or what impact do those items have on others? So not just what do we feel and think, but how do our behaviors based on what we feel and think impact those around us? Mm -hmm. Right. And then the other part, and this is where I think especially in the workplace we tend to fall short, is understanding how others view us. We tend to rely on our own view of ourselves and not uh, think about or gather input on how others view us. And that's really a key component of self-awareness as well. In fact, a lot of folks are starting to refer to two different types of self-awareness, internal and external. And traditionally, we tend to focus on that idea of internal Mm -hmm. self-awareness, that sort of Greek aphorism of know thyself. Mm -hmm. And we stop. Uh, from going out and saying, well, wait a second, what do you know about me? How do you view me? Mm -hmm. And how does that impact my level of Uh self-awareness? That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's like what you you were really hitting on that about how others view you and how their response to you can be so outside of. What you didn't mean. And so then you have to start questioning, what did I do or how did I come across or, you know, what, what do they think of me that has made them take take that that way? Take whatever you know, some misunderstanding or something that you said, and what is their view of you that made them think that? And all this hits at what's at stake with mm-hmm. having a, a large a, um, or a better understanding of yourself and how you are interacting with others because. When both just with ourselves and in the workplace, not having this understanding has a big impact. Mm -hmm. So maybe tell us a little bit more about how this plays out. Sure. Uh, Self-awareness is is crucially important. Uh, And it almost seems silly to talk about it because it just seems like it should be obvious, Mm -hmm. right? How can you go throughout this world and be effective if you don't understand yourself and what motivates you and what drives you? But there are a lot of real concrete, tangible benefits to being more self-aware. So, for instance, people who have a higher level of self-awareness report being more confident and more creative. Teams that uh, are more self-aware tend to report better working relationships between team members and with managers, and they tend to be more profitable. They tend to get more results from an organizational standpoint. Folks who have higher self-awareness generally make better decisions. They tend to communicate more effectively, and they tend to have stronger relationships. The flip side of the coin is folks who are more self-aware are less likely to lie, cheat, and steal which implies that those who are less self-aware are perhaps more likely to lie, cheat, and steal. Uh, But really, in terms of my work here at the university, and what might be beneficial to your listeners, is that more and more, self-awareness is the foundation of effective leadership. Uh, You were mentioning when we were chatting earlier, Patty, that it seems like every book you pick up and read these days that has something to do with business or leadership It starts by talking about Mm -hmm. self-awareness. One of the books that we used to use a lot here at the university is called True North. It's about authentic leadership by Bill George. The the center of his model of authentic leadership is Mm -hmm. self-awareness. And and the way I typically talk to people about it is, if I don't understand what motivates me, what demotivates me, uh, what stresses me out, 
what encourages me to be at my best, then how in the world can I help others mm -hmm. deal with their stressors and motivators? How can I provide those I'm leading with a situation or environment that helps them be at their best yeah. if I don't have a rudimentary knowledge of that for myself? And if you don't have that rudimentary knowledge, it seems like the odds that you're going through your life in a very reactive state are high mm -hmm. because you're talking about stressors and responses to situations. If, you know, it seems like, of course I know how I respond to things, but you're just gutting it out every day and getting through things and not thinking about how you'll process things that mm -hmm. you encounter and what you might need, what might help you more at that time when you're up against something stressful or knowing what you need to be more creative, knowing what you need to feel confident at work. Mm -hmm. If you need more um, feedback from your supervisor and peers or less, or what, what are those things that make you work better? If yeah. you haven't really thought about those things, yeah. in, in just a really fundamental way, you could stumble pretty hard all the way through your life. Absolutely. Well, by becoming more self-aware, you, you, you find what are your strengths and weaknesses and what are those things that you need to mm -hmm. work on and learn more about so that you can become better. Because we can all learn to be better right. workers, better leaders, yeah. better managers, better human beings. <laughs> and so, but without knowing what are those things that you really, you know, have that are maybe areas of improvement, then how can you, I wanted to say weaknesses, but, and so they are, but then how would you know what to do and what will make you better? Mm -hmm. um, and so you had talked about, or I think you, when you were describing Theron's job as making people learn to be better, mm -hmm. um, then how can you learn to be better if you're not more self-aware? And it, it doesn't seem like it's something that we would always be, we would naturally think of to do. Yeah. Because again, we've talked about this a lot on the pod, you have to do some work to really get benefit from the self-awareness exercise. Like you have to do the work on anything we've talked about with, you know, becoming more trustworthy from speed of trust or in just pick a pod basically. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, where we were going to get into in our conversation today, ways that you could increase your self-awareness. And none of them are necessarily, it's not like they're hard, but they involve a little bit of commitment and a little bit of time and careful attention. And we're not really great at carving out time in our lives for those kinds of things because we're talking about things like journaling, meditating, getting right. feedback, getting coaching. Um, it's not just the Facebook quiz on what your favorite color says about you. <laughs> or what, what bird are you or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, although I, although we do love those. Oh, yeah. but. <laughs> so, yeah. What house are you from Harry Potter? Left on that one. Which one were you? I can't remember. Oh, you're just My saying that. Know. You were totally a Slytherin. I'm kidding. You're not. No, I forgot what I was. It was something that everybody was really surprised about that, that I would be. Hmm. Griffin. Gryffindor? That doesn't Maybe. surprise me. Yeah. All right, we're getting off topic. So, <laughs> the, that, that could be another podcast. That could be another podcast. Which, Harry, tuned, which Harry Potter right. house are you? <laughs> um, so, I mean, some of the obvious ones that because we're here in our workplace that we might think about the, the feedback and coaching yeah. um, is 
obviously a way in a professional Mm -hmm. setting that you could become more self-aware. I am fortunate right now to be in the manager development program facilitated by Theron and Patty. And you're sort of in it this time too? I'm sort of in it and I'm also coaching. Yeah. So that's a really great opportunity to learn more about yourself in that specific role that I really appreciate um, because it's not necessarily my forte. I only have one person who reports to me who I don't think listens to the podcast. So I can say, not like he doesn't know, not the greatest manager. (laughs) So it's great to learn more about the things, the predispositions and things that I think that affect the way that I maneuver in that role. But um, the beyond that, some of those when we're talking about that internal self-awareness, some of the things that we can do include the journaling and the meditation and reflection. So I was just hoping you could tell us a little bit more about how to maybe use those things. Sure, absolutely. So there are lots of ways that we can use uh, journaling and meditation and mindfulness to help us become more self-aware. But like you said, Brandy, it does take time and effort and energy to make it beneficial. Um, Reflection on its own typically doesn't help very much when it comes to uh, increasing self-awareness. And that's just based on the way we're wired and the way our brain works. We'll reflect on ourselves positively. (laughs) Yeah, well, obviously obviously you need to have that positive mindset, right? And and we can talk about how a lot of times negativity leads to us being bad Mm -hmm. at self-awareness. But Mm -hmm. um, if we just look at reflection... If you look at how you feel in the moment around a particular instance or situation and compare it to how you feel about it upon remembering it 30, 60, 90 days later, there's only about a 50% correlation. Really? Over time, the way we remember our feelings is different than what we actually experienced in the moment. And so reflection, uh, while it can be incredibly beneficial, isn't always the key. So if you had journaled about that, though, then you can look back at it. That's a great point. And there's a lot of uh, folks out there who have engaged in similar practices, and it's proven to be very helpful. So Warren Buffett, for instance, Mm -hmm. legendary investor, uh, one of the wealthiest people in the country, if not the world. He is really good about articulating, uh, when he makes a purchase or an acquisition of a company, uh, what his desired outcomes are. So what's the business case for making that acquisition or that investment? And what is he hoping to get out of that investment? Mm -hmm. And then down the road, he can compare the actual outcomes to his original reasoning and logic. And over time, that helps him make better decisions Mm -hmm. and be more aware about what's influencing his decisions. That's cool. He'll have documented what he was thinking or experiencing at that moment. Exactly. And, And too, like, that would help you, I would think, if I'm putting myself in Warren Buffett's shoes, you know, how, what you're what your triggers are on wanting mm-hmm. to do certain things because you know that in the moment you tend to view it a certain way right. mm-hmm. but that down the line you recognize pitfalls that you didn't see in the moment mm-hmm. how helpful exactly cool exactly mm-hmm. um, mindfulness in general is really helpful uh, i am no expert by any means in mindfulness but the idea of being present mm-hmm. the idea of understanding what's really going on with yourself and those around you in a given moment. That's also basically the definition of self-awareness that we started with. 
Yeah. So I, I like that. that. I'm sorry to barge in there, but like yeah. that idea of checking in with yourself that mm-hmm. meditation mm-hmm. encourages. It isn't, I find, something that we tend to do much because we're, we're checking in on other things like Instagram or mm-hmm. our work email or there are many other things that you have to check on. Mm-hmm. Not that any of those things are inherently bad, but you don't check in on yourself. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and think about how you're feeling and responding. Mm-hmm. And, and mindfulness is often challenging for folks to get started with or get into. Uh, There are all kinds of great resources out there to help you get into mindfulness and wonderful apps and Mm -hmm. easy-to-read books. But one of the things I recommend to folks if they want to try being more mindful to boost self-awareness is what, for lack of a better term, we'll call a mindfulness break. So when we are busy or under stress, we tend to go to our defaults. We get into a rut, we get into our routine. We go with consistent behaviors that we're familiar with. And if we want to become more self-aware, if we want to try something new, we need to break out of that rut. We need to try different behaviors. And so when we're busy, when we're stressed, take a 10-minute mindfulness break. Mm -hmm. And that is not just a break where you don't do work, right? Go to Facebook or check your other social media feeds or text uh, a friend. We actually need to do nothing. We need to do uh, anything we can to be in the moment and not engage with something else. So turning off the phone, off the computer, literally staring out the window, taking a walk around the building, doing something really simple that doesn't require you to focus on any particular task or action. Mm -hmm. Um, And using that time to sort of get out of the stress, get out of the busyness, and recenter around what's going on with me right now, uh, and then going back to work. And that's a great way to get out of those habitual routines that we all tend to fall into. Mm-hmm. That's good. good. Good advice and easy to follow. Just be paying attention to what you're experiencing at that moment. Yes. Okay. So if you are interested, we joked about the Facebook tests, but if you're mm-hmm. interested in delving more deeply into an assessment, what's mm-hmm. out there and um, what do you think is helpful or might be helpful? I, I know there's probably lots of choices. There are, there are tons of choices and, and really any valid, vetted psychometric assessment has value in increasing self-awareness. Are these things that you can, when you say psychometric, psychometric assessment, mm-hmm. it sounds very clinical, but you're talking about things that are readily available. Yes, so the two that most commonly come up and that I'm a big fan of, are personality assessments and emotional intelligence assessments, both of which you can learn more about and take part in as part of the talent development offerings here at UVA. Um, So you can go to the HR website, look up talent development, you can find all kinds of fun resources there. Nice, I'll link that. Uh, Here at UVA, we typically use a personality assessment called DISC, Okay, I've heard of that. Um, personality assessments are really nothing more than uh, be- behavioral preference assessments, mm-hmm. right? Um, not to get off on a bit of a tangent, but I also like geeking out on personality. So You're it, preaching to the choir, yeah. man. I'm like, mm-hmm. come on, talk about the so, temperament sorter. <laughs> um, I, I like to use the analogy of an iceberg. So as we all know, the vast majority of an iceberg sits beneath the water. And just waiting to wreck your ship. That's right. <laughs> just waiting. And, and we are a lot like an iceberg. And so a lot of things about ourselves, a lot of things related to self-awareness, sit beneath the surface. Uh-huh. 
things like our values, our morals, our ego drivers, our fears. These really deep things that we often don't spend a lot of time thinking about personally, let alone openly discussing with other folks. Um, but the part of us, the part of the iceberg that sits above the surface, the part that the rest of the world does interact with, the part that other people can see, is our personality. And it's nothing more than how we prefer to engage with the world around us. Mm -hmm. right? So how do we prefer to take in information? Do we like to talk with other people and ask questions and hear other people's perspectives? Or do we like to sit back and observe? and sort of process the information that we're gathering visually or auditorily or whatever the case may be. The introvert, extrovert kind of thing. Yes, yes, exactly. So um, if we think of our personality as nothing more than the part of us the rest of the world can interact with, it's really just how we prefer to interact with the world around us. Mm -hmm. And so understanding those preferences, how do we prefer to get information? How do we prefer to interact with the world? How do we prefer to make decisions? Those are all elements of our personality and learning more about that can be really helpful. Not only understanding those preferences, but how those preferences play out for right. ourselves and how they impact those around us. So I love using personality as an intro into self-awareness. It feels safe and comfortable to most mm -hmm. folks. Yeah. Um, and it's a great way to start down that self-awareness journey through assessments or getting feedback or learning about your blind spots. Yeah. There are lots of them out there. Uh, a lot of them have really good things about them. All of them have uh, some negative things about them. But really the key for me is, you know, is it a valid assessment that is reputable and has been tested to be reliable? And then uh, making sure that you have either the knowledge and skill set yourself or a knowledgeable and skillful guide to help you make sense of the information mm -hmm. from whatever that psychometric assessment is mm -hmm. so they can get the most out of it. Right. Yeah, I think on the, on the positive side of using um, such assessments, mm -hmm. um, I think that the, what you just said is it gives you information about yourself based on some val valid data that mm -hmm. can be, you know, that you're that has been through right. all kinds of validation to, to be in use in the world. And so the positive side of that, it can explain things about yourself that you can say, oh, that's why I do that, mm -hmm. or that's why I really like that thing, or that's why I really like to spend time alone at the end of the day, or yes. regroup, or whatever. This will sound super basic, but when I I am a communicator for a living, and mm -hmm. so I had a lot of assumptions about myself as an extrovert, mm -hmm. but I am not. Mm -hmm. And that made sense of like the crash that needs to occur after I've been yeah. out and around mm -hmm. interacting with people. I just need that, and mm -hmm. I know if I don't get it, yeah. it will not be as right. nice <laughs> mm -hmm. for anyone. <laughs> so, so that's the positive side, though, is that it can help you learn a lot more about yourself. On the negative side... Through an objective lens, Right, too. through an yeah. objective lens. On the negative side, I wonder if people say, okay, well, my MBTI says I'm this way, and so therefore I can't Absolutely. be yeah, any other way. Not a I license. You just need to accept it for, for who I am. And right. it gives people the license to be like, okay, well, that's just me. And Here's my jerk Take badge. it, take it. <laughs> <laughs> badge. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to opt out because I'm a jerk. <laughs> exactly. A lot of people take 
their personality profile or any other assessment, and they hold it up as sort of a, a defense yeah. right. and say, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. It's on paper and black and white. Mm -hmm. Everybody else deal with it, mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, one of the things I love is I, I had a, a person I was working with one time and they thought that their personality assessment was spot on mm -hmm. and they loved it and they thought it was 100% true and they took it home and gave it to their significant other and said, here's my user's manual. Oh, bless. You know, which, <laughs> which can be great to a certain extent. They're, what they're really saying is, is here's how you can better understand me, right? right. But people do use it as an excuse. They tend to say, this is who I am. And others say, what's, my, what's the return policy? <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Because um, it's not just, here's how you can better interact with me, but now I understand more about me and know right. how to better interact myself. Yeah. Right. But also all of these assessments, personality, emotional intelligence, what have you, um, these things are not fixed. Our personality is not solidified and fixed. Our emotional intelligence doesn't have a cap. There's no cap to how emotionally intelligent you can become. Mm -hmm. Your personality is always in flux throughout your life. Right. Now granted, a large majority of your personality is set at a relatively early age, but the rest can always adapt and change. And it's influenced by your environment, um, by changes that take place in your life. There are lots of things that influence them. And so, getting some sort of assessment and saying this is who I am full stop is a fallacy. Right. So you're right. If it's right. not used appropriately, it can be a huge negative to self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you say emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. we hear that a lot. What does it really mean to say that we're emotionally intelligent or not? Great question. Uh, Daniel Goleman is the father of emotional intelligence. He wrote a wonderful book called surprisingly emotional intelligence <laughs> and several other books since uh, and he has a wonderful uh, academic definition of emotional intelligence that I can't remember and, and uh, repeat for you verbatim but basically similar to um, emotional or excuse me self-awareness it starts with understanding uh, what's going on with you in the moment and how it's influencing others it also then takes it a step further to understanding others and what's going on with them, even if it's not overtly expressed. And then being able to take all of that information and being able to build better relationships as a result. Mm -hmm. A highly desirable uh, realm of intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's easy to see how that would be a thing you'd want to cultivate. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in our next podcast, we're going to focus a little bit more about that relationship part, especially our work relationships. Um, so that'll be definitely another um, area to delve into more deeply. Mm -hmm. um, you can test emotional intelligence? You can. There are assessments that measure emotional intelligence. I shared mine with you, my results. That's right. You did. That was exactly what that was. It wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or I'm no longer able to objectively I was judge when I got my results back because I'm one of those people that is not obviously, according to my results, that I thought I was way more self-aware than I am. And, or at least, or, or the results are just really not right. But Which is entirely possible. It's possible, but I don't know. You know, I've known other people taking the same, same one and they're, they're saying, oh yeah, it's not on. So. Well, it, it, 
the test itself might be valid or reliable, but there's so many things that can influence yes. those types of assessments where we're giving um, somewhat subjective self-reporting. Yeah. So anytime we judge ourselves on anything, intelligence, fitness, uh, self-awareness, yes. we always rate ourselves higher than others will rate us. Well, and um, on this particular assessment, it was about um, putting yourself in different scenarios as mm -hmm. a as a manager mm. and dealing with people and it, it had a video uh, watching little video clips of a person sitting in your office and then you were supposed to describe what went through your mind as and how mm. you felt and so it wasn't about your behaviors at all and so I think what I've found since then is what I feel and what maybe goes on up in my brain isn't how I then react Mm. You have a filter between those two right. points. Which is a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but so I think the more I've thought about this particular assessment, and I don't, I don't remember which one it is, but um, it was an emotional intelligence assessment, um, I've realized that I think it is accurate, and it's a good thing because through the years I've learned to filter, filter and to um, behave in certain ways that aren't, that I know that if it were the first thing that popped in my head, that it would not be beneficial to the situation. But that's an, a perfect example for what we're speaking about in today's podcast, that if you are a person who is more self-aware, you can develop those filters and those strategies for mm -hmm. interacting better with others and even yourself, knowing that you tend to respond certain ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, Theron, when you said we were talking about Patty's assessment and, you know, just having one channel for feedback may not always be the most helpful thing, especially if you're just beginning this journey, because, you know, you may get like take an assessment, you know, say you do um, the temperament, Kiersey temperament sorter, and you're like, okay, there I am, done. That isn't a place to stop, really, even if it's spot on and you feel like, okay, I understand myself. Mm -hmm. um, those other channels that we've spoken about, feedback from friends and colleagues, um, whether it's like a professional interaction with a actual clinician or getting some professional coaching, um, doing the journaling, all that kind of stuff, that rounds out that understanding of yourself. That well, and nobody's, um, even if you have full self-awareness, it's not all good stuff. No. So everybody has... <laughs> It's that iceberg that, <laughs> roiling <laughs> under the surface. Everybody has, you know, once you become aware of, you know, your motives and your behaviors and your values and all those things, there are areas of that that you can grow. Absolutely. Yeah. And you bring up a good point that, you know, we were talking about mindfulness and understanding what's going on with you at any given moment. That's great. But then you need to be able to act appropriately based on what mm -hmm. you recognize is going on with yourself at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And I, I often think about my children. I've got six-year-old twin boys. And, oh, bless your heart. Um, <laughs> they're pretty good at recognizing in the moment what they're feeling. But at their age, they don't always know what to do with those feelings. Yeah. And we can easily see that and be accepting of that and understand that development needs to take place in children. Right. We're not good 
at recognizing and understanding and seeing the development needs to take place in adults, mm-hmm. right? So if someone gets angry in the workplace and they express that anger inappropriately by yelling or throwing something or whatever the case may be, we tend to chalk it up to that person's a jerk or, yeah, right. um, you know, they have a, a short fuse or a strong temper instead of thinking, wow, they may not be aware that they're engaging in this behavior or that this behavior is inappropriate. They may not realize that they're getting triggered and therefore don't know that they need to hit the pause button before they do something that they shouldn't. Or they may know, but not know how to hit the pause button. It's not like, you were talking about your Mm six-year-olds, it's not like there's a certain age or stage at which you pass the threshold and you are fully baked in terms of your development. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, you can get to any point in your life and still have so much more to do or become or think or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not excusing everyone that if you get to be 45 and you're still throwing fits in the workplace, <laughs> that you know that isn't something you should work on. But we all are works in progress in our own ways. Yeah. So I think that's, for our purposes, a good place to maybe put a little artificial dividing line and say, let's think about in our next podcast how this really plays out because as we started talking about emotional intelligence and knowing what people are thinking and feeling and and adjusting yourself and your response to them on um, what you see going on with them that we're getting into that relationship type stuff and talking Mm -hmm. about how we respond to people not only through the lens of our own self-awareness but if they're not (laughs) self-aware how do we interact with people and help folks to um, do the best that they mm-hmm. can do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've talked about a lot. Is there anything before we close out on this session, y'all, that you wanted to mention? No, I would just highlight, and I think we know this, and, and all the listeners out there hopefully know this by now, is, is that self-awareness is incredibly important. And uh, again, we all fall into that trap of thinking we're better at it than we are. And that to get better, it's going to take time and effort and energy, but the rewards can really, really be valuable. And just remember, 95% of us think that we are. Survey says only 10 to 15% are. So the odds are, listener, you're not. (laughs) Well, on that comforting note, thanks for joining us for Finance Matters. We're going to talk more when we get together next time about self-awareness and work relationships. Until then, you can read more about what finance is up to on the UVA Finance blog at uvafinance.blogspot.com. If you've got an idea for a podcast topic or you know somebody out there who's really cool that we need to talk to, please holler at myself or Patty or you can tweet us at UVA underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters.